Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hello, everybody. My name is Stevie Kim, and this is the Italian Wine Club. Back. Welcome back, everyone. 6 p.m. Thursday, that's when we have our Italian uh, Wine Club at, on Clubhouse. And today, in theory, uh, we should have our Natalia Fabrizzi doing the fireside chat with Lisa and Ricci today. I see Lisa. Ciao, Lisa. Ciao, Stevie. Ciao, tutti. Thanks for having me tonight. <laughs> sure. I hope your your mod moderator will show up soon. I'm I'm positive. I'm positive. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I always have many questions for everybody. You know, Lisa, I actually have a a house near you. No way. Yeah, I actually we have a house in Andalo. Oh. So I mean, not near you but in the neighborhood but i haven't been in the longest time so i should i should come and see you next time I'm next time definitely yeah yeah stop by with pleasure <laughs> so i'm actually coming back just from a tasting that mm-hmm. gabriele gorelli had invited me to of course he's the new master of wine yep. everyone wants a piece of him so he's absolute like prezzemolo he's absolutely <laughs> everywhere so today he was, uh, he held a masterclass with Chateau Fijac mm-hmm. and uh, it was really lovely to also meet Blandine de Briere Manoncourt. I, ha- I hope I'm saying her name right. So that, that episode should be coming up. It was just an impromptu interview for the podcast and, and Mama Jumbo Shrimp. So that would be coming up soon as well. Like I so tell us tell us what we're doing now. We're doing what episode is this? Actually, this is the fortieth episode, so we've gone this far. And oh yeah. my goodness, that's crazy, right? Yes, it is. Have you been doing this from the get go? Yeah. Well, what do you mean? Like no, in like, did you do the first episode? I can't remember. Yes, yes, yes. We started you did first. Yes, it was with Cynthia. And yeah, it was with okay. Cynthia. That's okay. right. With Alberta Tasca. We've come mm-hmm. a very long way. As you know, these recordings are replayed on Italian Wine Podcast, and the Ambassadors Corner has been very popular. One of the top listens are in fact Ambassador's Corner. By the way, in April, I just want to thank everyone. I think we are the number one wine podcast now. 
because um, we've had 224,000 listens just in the month of April for SoundCloud. And of course, that's not counting all of the other channels. So you know what I'm going to do until Natalia shows up, like a She's actually here in the room right now. Oh, she is? Where is she? I don't see her. Hello, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes. How are you connecting? Where are you physically? Oh, right now I'm in Piedmont. I'm in Gavi, where I currently live. I don't see you, though, on the on stage. Ah, that is strange. Okay, well, Natalia, well, thank you for joining us. I don't see you. Do you see... Do you see yeah, them? I see. Do I see, see Natalia on stage as well as Lisa, Joy, and um, Tabitha. Oh, okay, maybe. Oh, now I see her. Okay, oh, okay now I see her. I, <laughs> I think it's I, a I bug had, in the clubhouse. Yeah, I just had to refresh. Well, thank yep. you for joining us. Good thing you decided to show up. As you know, Ambassador Corner is where our ambassadors from uh, the Via community they get to choose their favorite Italian wine producer, and they kind of do the deep dive, more like a fireside fireside chat style and it's been crazy popular so today we have natalia fabrizzi she sounds italian she is actually a brazilian traveler winemaker it says on your bio what does that mean oh well thank you very much for uh the invitation it's a pleasure so i graduated in uh winemaking in brazil a few whereabouts years. in brazil um in sao paulo oh in sao paulo okay Yes, it's a countryside Sao Paulo, a small wine region, and um, with some experimental projects uh, with wine. And uh, it was a great opportunity to start in the wine world. And uh, when I finished my uh, studies, then I had the opportunity to go to uh, California in uh, Napa Valley to do my first uh, internship in a winery. And then uh, Traveler Winemaker, because since then, uh, it's what I um, was doing. So uh, traveling around the world, I've been to a few uh, countries and uh, doing harvest time, uh, working in the lab or in the production or in the vineyards, <laughs> um, everything related. And um, Yes, now now I'm uh, working the um, business side of the um, of wine. So, uh, so you mean the commercial side? Exactly. And what are you doing now? So I'm the expert manager for uh, two wineries here in Piedmont. It's uh, two wineries owned by the same family. Uh, one it's in Barolo, and the other one here in Gavi. What's the name of the family? The Rossi Cairo family. Um, okay. uh, in Gavi, the, the winery is Laraya. It's okay. an organic biodynamic winery. And in um, Barolo, uh, it's in Serra Lunga d'Alba, Tenuta Cuco. Ah, okay, okay. So today, uh, but you've chosen Endrici. So why did you choose, why did you decide in the end to speak with, to the call with Lisa Maria Endrici? Yes, uh, Lisa, uh, first of all, it's a really good friend of mine. And um, she's the new generation of uh, one of the most traditional families uh, in Trentino, uh, in wine families. I've, I've been to the, wineries, uh, uh, to the winery a few, ta- a few times, and um, I really think it's uh, impeccable in every sense. 
uh, starting with the wines, uh, um, really beautiful architecture. They have so many innovative projects. Uh, um, so um, it's one of the reasons I, I chose them. And uh, today we'll be, we'll be talking about um, some native grapes from Trentino and also um, the history of um, her family. So I guess one of the things that we'll be learning from this call, as we call it, the learning objectives, are indeed some of the grapes, right? What, what, so what are the learning objectives precisely from this call? Okay, so we'll be talking about uh, Trento Doc, um, Teroldigo, also, uh, Lisa will explain us uh, about the Terodigo revolution. Um, enotourism, um, they are really referencing enotourism. They have a uh, uh, great um, um, hospitality um, structure. And also uh, geographic aspects of uh, Piano Rotaliana. Oh, excellent. And um, by the way, how did you, how did you, when, how and when did you discover Cantina Andrizzi? I discovered Cantina Andrizzi because I met, uh, it was in a work dinner. I met the husband of Lisa. He used to work for uh, my distributor um, of, uh, in Germany. Aha. Uh -huh. uh, he spoke um, about uh, the winery. And uh, not later after that, uh, I went to visit uh, and then I fall in love with the place. <laughs> okay, great. All right, so I'm going to uh, pass the mic over to you, uh, Natalia, and I will come back um, to see if there are any questions in the end. Okay? Okay, sounds great. Thank you. Okay, ciao, ciao. Ciao. Ciao, Lisa. Welcome to the Italian Wine Ambassador Corner. Ciao, Nachi. How ciao, are ciao. You? I'm, I'm great. Thanks. Th thanks so much for inviting me. <laughs> I am. I'm very excited to to have you on board. So, uh, for uh, just a small introduction about uh, Lisa, she's uh, half German and half Italian, and um, she's the fifth generation of the Andrizzi family. Um, big uh, responsibility, uh, Lisa. Yeah, it is. It's a big responsibility, but also a privilege. I think uh, you have to be conscious of both uh, things. We have four generations uh, to look back and uh, to make proud, but also, you know, interpret it as, um, as you are and what you want to make out of it. I think that's something really nice about the wine world. Yes. Um, so I would I would like to start with the um, the origins uh, of your family winery. Um, will you tell us how everything started? Sure. I wasn't there, unfortunately, as we said before, because uh, the winery is quite old. Uh, it dates back to 1885, um, where um, yeah, the two founders Angelo and Francesco Andrici came down from the Valle di Non. Uh, so I don't know if all of you know exactly where Trentino is. Trentino, we are in the northern part of Italy. We're quite close to the Dolomites and we are a very mountainous region. So we have many valleys and let's say that the main city is Trento. 
So back in the time, uh, the two founders decided to make their luck, you know, start from Valedinon, which now is uh, famous for the apples, mm -hmm. and went by foot, of course. They wanted to go to Trento. Um, during their travels, though, they found a, a nice girl called Giovanna in San Michele Ladige, where uh, the Andrizi winery is uh, today. And uh, they decided to stay there. And the two brothers, together with um, the, the brother of Giovanna, let's say, created the, the Cantina Andrizi in 1885. Back there, we were under the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So it used to be all different. We were, let's say, the southern part of the empire, and we used to sell all the wine to the north. And after World War One, we became the most northern region, let's say, of Italy. And um, we entered a market which was full of wine. So that's something very inspirational for me that um, our ancestors had to change this perspective. But still also nowadays in my family, we um, concentrate a lot on export. So I would say this is one of our um, USPs. Right. And um, which markets uh, um, are the most important for Ingrizzi right now? Well, actually, since I would say two, three years ago, Germany was the biggest market. As you also said before, my mom is German. So we not only speak the language, we also understand the mentality, which is also very important if you want to um, embrace, you know, uh, a business relationship. It helps always. Um I would say till two, three years ago, Germany was the biggest market. It was around 40% of our market. Uh, but in the last years, we changed also uh, all our selling structure in Italy. And we are focusing a lot on Italy right now. So I would say Italy is just above 40% and Germany is now, now maybe a 30%. This is also thanks to Trento Doc. I think we will talk about Trento Doc later. Yeah. Yeah, but in total, we are in 24 countries. But I would say that Europe is our most important market. Fantastic. And um, after four generations of wine producing, do you remember when was the moment when you felt like the wine business was your lifetime project? Like, um, do you feel pressure from uh, the family to take over of the family business or that came very naturally for you? That's a great question because uh, many people ask me how how it worked because as also Stevie said before it's a um, it's a great responsibility or you said it before um, to continue with this family project and I think my parents were very smart they never um, obliged us to do something you know to do the vineyard work to do uh, come to Vinitali Provine etc so they always let us the choice even if. They sold us uh, all the, the winery very intelligently. You know, they always showed us the nice parts and what you can do with um, <clears throat> with a family winery. And so we never had the pressure um, that we had to choose it, but we wanted to choose it. And um, for me, I started drinking wine really late. It was, I think I was like 21 And that was a point where I said, okay, I have to start drinking wine. Otherwise, um, yeah, we cannot go on like this. And I did my first studies and my, bachelor, my first bachelor in Milano. I studied uh, marketing and PR, which is uh, very useful for my job today. And, um, and then 
uh, I was living in Milano and um, there I understood that I was missing, let's say, all the rural part of um, making wine and the nature. And it was the same time when my brother finished his high school. And so we said, why don't we do something really with wine? So we decided together to go to Geisenheim University. Um, some of you, I'm sure, know it. And we went together to study international wine business, where I also met my husband, which is um, why we know each other. So, <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's very important uh, that they let it happen uh, very naturally. Exactly, because as um, as sorry, I forgot. Um, the, the, if you run a, a family winery or a winery in general. You have many aspects. It's not all only the winemaking. You have, of course, the vineyards. That's clear. But then you have, you know, the banks. You have the strategic uh, decisions to make. The the communication, the hospitality. You have architects coming in because um, you have some projects. We will discuss also later. So, and if you love art, music, you can uh, organize events, and that's something that my mom really. Um, told me from the beginning that you can in the end make something beautiful for yourself yes i met your parents and they are really inspiring and um your mom she's an architect um i know that she designed the wine cellar which is mm -hmm. uh, absolutely beautiful um she was also uh the pioneer on deciding to acquire serpaia in tuscany because you is uh, is the second winery of the family, right? So will you tell us uh, about the Serpaya project? Yeah, with pleasure. As you said, uh, my mom was an architect, my dad was a lawyer, and um, it's a, it's a nice combination. My mom is German, my dad is Italian, and we say our slogan is Italian organization and German creativity, which I don't think that <laughs> you can find very often. Normally, it's the other way around, but that's really how our family um, goes. And yeah. so my dad is the organized one. My mom is a creative one. And when she came to Italy 33 years ago, uh, she came from um, uh, the, the area of Stuttgart, which is quite a flat and hilly area. She came to Trentino with all these high mountains. And she, she likes it. But uh, one day she said to my dad, you know, I really miss sunsets. So this is one thing uh, we don't have in Trentino. That's why all... Um, Trentino people run up on the mountains to see the sunsets because normally the sun just goes away um, behind the mountain. Yeah. So in the end of the 1990s, they said, okay, let's start to look maybe for new projects, new lands. Um, and in the year 2000, they acquired 20 hectares close to Fonte Blanda, which is uh, close to Talamone under Grosseto, so in the Maremma area. And they decided, yeah, to have a foot also there. And it was really to enlarge their horizon. And that's something I really appreciate about um, my parents, that they always taught us to uh, look outside of the box. Uh, I mean, we have been in Trentino for uh, 140 years now, and they really wanted to embrace something new, you know, a new challenge, because it's a different uh, land, different people, different grape varieties. So in Serpaia, now uh, we have the typical, let's say, um, varieties like Sangiovese, then we have Cabernet, Merlot. 
we started planting very um, typical grapes for that area, like Chigiajolo, a couple of years ago. And um, my husband actually is down in Sapaya right now. Uh, so he took, um, he entered our company um, during the pandemic. So that was a nice opportunity for all, for all of us since he also studied as an analog and he's now, let's say, following um, the Serpaya project uh, with, in first hand. So he's down there, let's say, one week per month at least to follow all the, the vineyards and the wine production. Yeah, and he's very excited about it. I went so to visit him <laughs> last, uh, last harvest. I, I, I was uh, really close to, to the winery, so I stopped by and he made me taste the ferments of uh, Chile Giolo. Mm -hmm. uh, really fantastic. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, yeah I remember. I saw the, the winery uh, in, in Trentino. It's uh, producing 25 different wines, uh, mm -hmm. uh, divided in five, uh, five different lines. So there's the Trento Doc, the Linea Classica, Linea Dalis, and Linea Masseto. Mm -hmm. um, how many grape varieties, uh, native grape varieties, are grown in the state? And um, would you comment one of them um, and how you see the, the importance of cultivating autochthonous grapes um, for the cultural patrimony of Italy? Yeah, so you, you say it correctly. I think Italy, we all agree, is one of the countries with the most autochthonous grape varieties. In Trentino, we have some. And um, you, you have seen we have 25 different wines. We are quite creative. <laughs> because we also have we have many different DOCs in Trentino. Um, maybe I can talk about um, something we'll talk also about later. Maybe the Giardino dei Profumi, which yeah. is a some a, a special piece of vineyard that um, we created, where we planted twenty two different rows of grape varieties, which are typical for our region. And in front of the row, we planted the aromas that then you can find in the wine. Of course, wine tasting is very subjective. So for me, there's never a wrong or a right in the aromas that you can find. But let's say there are some main uh, aromas, let's say for um, Sauvignon Blanc, um, that you can represent. So that's something nice where we can um, we, where we can see really the aromas that you can find in the wine. And I, I tell you this because these 22 varieties are typical for Trentino, which is a lot, if you think about it. It's brilliant the idea of the Giardino dei Profumi, the perfume garden. Yeah. And um, we, for ourselves, we have 13 of these grape varieties, which we use in our wines. Some wines are, let's say, uh, created from the older generation, so uh, five generations ago. Some wines, like the Dalis line, are the newer ones. Uh, they carry the name of my brother and me, Daniele and Lisa. So we, we like to embrace, let's say, um, the, the, the autochthonous grapes, but make them also ours. We have a line which is called Classica, where it's always 100% one grape variety and where we, let's say, vinify in the most classical way. The most important autochthonous grape for us is for sure Teroldego. We are really in front of the Piana Rotaliana. Piana Rotaliana are 400 hectares um, in the center, let's say, of the Valle dell'Adige. It's perfectly located north-south. Uh, 
And um, we are some producers who, who cultivate Teroldigo. Teroldigo, maybe not all of you know about this grape variety. The name is quite unique. Um, there are many different theories where the name comes from. The, the theory that we prefer is uh, the one that it comes from German Tiroler Gold. So the gold from Ty Tyrol. As I told you before, we used to be under the Austro-Hungarian Empire. We used to speak German. Um, and our ancestors used to say that it was the gold from the region, so the best what the region can offer. And we still agree, um, even today, we have many different uh, red wines with Teroldogo in it. I would say most of our red wines have Teroldogo in them. And then we have also two rosés done of Teroldogo. The Teroldogo grape um, is, is an interesting grape and also the wine. For me, it's very modern. It's a wine which is very dark. It is low in tannins. It has a good acidity and it makes quite um, modern wines. And it's also great for, for aging. Like our top wine, it's called Gran Masetto. It, um, it is 100% Teroldigo, which is made out of 50% of dried grapes, which we dry in the cold, like in big refrigerated rooms to concentrate the, the aromas that Teroldigo already has. So we are not adding uh, a marmalade touch, you know, thanks to this drying in the cold. Mm -hmm. And I think this makes this wine very interesting also for aging. That's a wine where we, we keep uh, from the first vintage 2003, we keep all the vintages in the cellar. So if uh, somebody's interested also in buying, you know, matured vintages, we have them on our price list, which I think is a very interesting um, point to, um, to have also these more mature wines on, on the list because it's a, it's always a, a safety point for who buys the wine if they know that the wine is, has been stored in a cellar with the right temperature and everything. So Teroldo for us is really very important. And then we have Nuziola. Nuziola is a white grape um, with a light uh, skin. The, the grapes are almost green. And Nuziola comes from the Trentino Nozeleta. Nozeleta is the hazelnut. So uh, some uh, say that Noziola can sometimes taste like, uh, yeah, hazelnuts, like Nutella. <laughs> we have Noziola only in, in, one, uh, in, one, in one wine, in Dalis Bianco. Um, it gives a floral touch. So we like to incorporate it in, uh, in our blends. So I would say these are the two main um, autochthonous grapes we have in our region. Then, of course, we have Marzamino, Croppello, but that's in different areas of Trentino, so it's not for Endrizzi. Right, I think it's uh, fantastic that you offer this uh, tailored service to the clients, keeping the old vintage. Yeah, and, uh, yeah this, is, uh, this is very important. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of uh, stock also, you know, it's very expensive for us, but <laughs> I think it's worth it. If you, if you work um, towards quality, I think that every winery should consider at least only from of the top wine to to keep um you know the vintages aside and to make nice vertical tastings and uh when you will come to visit us uh, with Stevie we will do a nice uh tasting <laughs> of all vintages Italian wine podcast
part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. It's, it, it's one of my favorite wines of yours. No, and the Trento Doc Biancastello. I can't uh, wait to, to crack a bottle next time we see each other. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to ask you about the collaboration that um, Indrizzi has with the San Michele Ladi James Institute. Mm -hmm. um, when did this start this collaboration and um, how how it's um how how the students uh, uh, are collaborating um within the winery i know you you receive interns uh, every year so um how does that work yeah so that's um something which is very nice that we have this geographical let's say closeness with the istituto di san michele alladige so it's in the town and we are Two kilometers out of the of the village, so we are really close. And I think the cooperation goes back a couple of decades because um, I know my dad, my my grandpa started working with them. I don't know if maybe also in the generations before um, there were co collaborations. Um, but it's really nice to have these couple of hundred um, research um, people who do research so close to us. So we rely on them for for different things. Um, first of all, we were among the first in Trentino together with the Instituto di San Michele to try out the sexual confusion method in the vineyards, which helps us to avoid all kind of insecticides and pesticides and work in a really clean way. Um, and as you also said, yeah, we, we have a good relationship with all the professors. We have interns every year, two or three to show how we work and and they also come to check the Giardino dei Profumi because you don't find it often to have 22 you know varieties which are planted so close one next to the other to analyze how is the um, how is the maturing of the of the grapes going how uh, are the the plants growing like the different stages because of course you can see that Some grapes uh, or some plants are getting, the leaves are coming out earlier than others. So they come every week to check and to, to make their yeah, analysis on what they see. And I think that's, that's a richness that, that we have and that uh, we love to share because we are all in for, um, you know, making research to always get better and yeah, to be close to nature as much as we can. Yes, you are uh, you are um, an eco-sustainable winery, and um, how what do you do to minimize the environmental uh, impact? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, and um, I think the the real conscious um, embracing the environment was when uh, my parents built the the cellar, the new cellar at the beginning of the year two thousand. And they decided to build it under the earth for, of course, several reasons. I think uh, since my mom is an architect, uh, they also like the idea to have nature continue, you know, not just put a building there to disturb nature, a bit like, uh, you know, Miss van der Rohe, who used to build the, his buildings a bit higher to allow nature to continue to grow underneath. Like And complementing, in a way. Sorry? Like complementing in a way. Yes, yes. To keep, you know, this, to let the space 
for nature to to just keep on doing um, its thing so to to take as 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 few quantity from them uh, as we can so on the new uh, winery there is the Jardim dei Profumi actually so um, that's a positive thing of having a building uh, underneath the earth so for a let's say a landscapey reason for a natural reason of course if you have the cellar under the earth um we we take advantage of the of the free fall of the grapes you know mm-hmm. we have no crushing we don't use pipes uh, before the pressing um and then we have always the same temperature underneath the earth um then what we have of course solar panels you know to get the energy um we have the other roofs uh, of newer buildings that we built uh, are also green so also there we want to keep the ecosystem going um in the vineyards as i mentioned before we use the sexual confusion which i think all of you are familiar with uh, since we're all um in the wine industry but um very easily explained we use these pheromones so that the um, the insects cannot reproduce themselves because it all let's say uh, smells like like female and um then we put 20 nests for birds per hectare and these birds eat the poor uh, insects who are looking for their partner and uh, we didn't stop there we also added um nests for bats so they do their job during the night so we have a 24 hour terrorism let's say against um the insects um we have been doing this for more than 20 years as i said before we started with the istituto di san michele and i would say nowadays in trentino everybody uses this kind of uh, method in the vineyard because it's really effective and uh, to keep on going this um, let's say natural way in the vineyards in the cellar we when my parents built the cellar they really wanted to have the highest technology to keep our wines clean we are a fan of uh, let's say overall the the white wine which are very clean we are uh, in a northern um region we want to show how trentino how trentino is let's say the whites are very mineral very fresh so we installed a machine which splits the air into oxygen and nitrogen we keep the nitrogen to protect the most from oxidation so if you imagine like an apple you cut it in two it gets brown very fast the same happens with most um mm. So we want to avoid an oxidation. So we cover it with nitrogen to avoid, let's say, the contact with the air. And this permits us to add lo- much less sulfides in the end, in the bottle. And um, to, you know, some people are a bit, um, have some problems with sulfide. So uh, we, we often say you can drink a, one bottle of white and Rizzi without getting a headache. So that's also quite, quite, quite interesting because... Again, that's thanks to technology where we can stay as clean um, as possible. And uh, as you know, uh, my brother and I, we went to the Waldorf school and also with, uh, yeah, where you are right now, you're quite familiar with all the Rudolf Steiner um, ideology. There's the the Waldorf school here. Exactly. It's a a fantastic way of uh, education. I think it's so... So cool that you grow up in this uh, with this mindset, with this kind of education. Yeah, I think it's a very holistic way to see things. So where you uh, are responsible about what you do. So my brother and I, we 
we went to the elementary and middle school here in Trento uh, at the Waldorf School. So um, I think that's something very important, really, to respect um, the nature and, and respect the cycle. Exactly. Yeah, giving back to the nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Andritze is among the founders of um, the Trento Dock back in mm-hmm. the 80s, right? Uh, yes. Which was the, um, the first vintage of uh, Trento Dock that Andritze uh, produced. And um, there is, uh, I see there is also an exponential uh, market demand for Trento Dock. You've been telling me as well that you're uh, uh, expanding the, the production of Trento yes. How many bottles are you producing right now? Yeah, so the, um, the Trento Dock topic is something which is really close to our heart because, as you mentioned, um, my parents were among the founders of the Instituto Trento Dock back in 1984. And we are quite proud to have been among you know, the, the few ones who believed in this project since the very beginning. Uh, back then, it was like, you know, uh, a handful of producers. And nowadays, I think we reached um, 60 wineries who are part of this group. And we are quite happy because I think Trento Doc is a very valuable product. And the, the more we are, the merrier it is. Um, of course, uh, keeping, let's say, the, the quality objective in mind. Um, I think all the project uh, of, of Trento Doc and Sparkling was born um, thanks to one vineyard we have, which is called Pian Castello. Pian Castello is a vineyard which is close to Castello di Monreale, which you may see if you uh, pass at the highway here and you look uh, to, to one side, you can see the, the Castello. And there you will always also see our vineyard. It's, it's an interesting vineyard because it's a clos, so it's surrounded by the woods. Um, it's entirely dedicated at the Trento Doc Pian Castello project. And we don't have neighbors, you know, that's, that's really good because, um, we know the work we do in the vineyard is entirely, you know, thought for that vineyard. And it's not, you know, the wind is bringing nothing from neighbors and, um, my parents started, uh, as I said, in the 80s. So even before the Instituto Trento Doc was born, actually before Trento Doc, there was also a project which was called, which was called Talento, which tried to unify the different uh, Metodo Classico uh, producers around Italy. Unfortunately, it was a project which didn't start. So um, yeah, around um, the year 84, the Trento Doc Institute uh, was born with, of course, um, the rules which we all have to follow, like uh, what are the grape varieties, of course, um, Chardonnay, Pinot Nero, Meunier, et Pinot Bianco. At least you have to have um, staying on the lease, uh, let's say a maturation on the lease for 15 months. If you want to, to write Reserva on it, it has to be 36 um, so of course there are different rules and of course the higher you go with Trento Doc, the better it is because, um, all sparklings, uh, benefit from the difference, uh, night and day, you know, the, the exchange in temperature and our, our Pian Castello vineyard is around at 400 meters height. So that's a perfect, uh, place to grow Trento Doc. And I don't deny that in the last years, we have seen an exponential growth um, in demand for Trento Doc in Italy. I'm, I'm saying Italy because 
um, it's it's just in the last years where we see um, let's say uh, um, a higher interest from Germany from other countries. But um, it's also nice to to know you know that it's one region one one uh, nation that is really interested about one kind of product. So to give you numbers, um, this year we um, sold. Um, 100,000 bottles of Trento Doc. But uh, since we organized ourselves in advance, uh, because we, we hoped that the project would, you know, um, launch this nicely, we are looking for an increase for next year of 30%. So oh, wow. around 130,000 bottles and who knows, you know, the, the years uh, which are to come. So we really have to brace ourselves uh, for this Trento Doc moment and i think yeah mostly my parents are so happy because they they started you know this project hoped it to be um this interesting and i think we are there now and in general i think metodo classico is a very interesting wine for nowadays it tells a story you know no bottle is uh is the same one to the other so i think it's yeah it's quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. And you have also some um, old vintages of Trento Doc in the winery. We do, we do. Not so much as Gran Mazetto for the moment, but we're starting to keep them aside. But that's uh, even more difficult because the demand is so high and to say, okay, now we stop. Um, we are starting to do it. Um, mostly we have one product, which is called Mazetto Prive, which we leave 10 years on the lease. Um that that was a, a wine, a spumante, which we used to drink for our family. That's why it's called Privé. Mm. And a couple of years ago, we decided to be social and share it with friends and family. And um, currently, it's a vintage 2010. And we have also there the older vintages and also our Piancastello range. We have now three Piancastello, which come from this specific vineyard. We have a Brut, we have a Rosé and a Padosé. And then we have one classical, which is called Andrizzi Brut, which is, you know, the more lighter one, the green apple notes, uh, a bit less of the uh, brioche and um, all the more, let's say, um, aromas, which are more evolved. We leave them for the more, of course, reserva ones. But we arrived, yeah, at five products and yeah, we're quite, quite happy. Yeah, I am, I am more happy that you decided to shared the Masetto <laughs> and I'm sure everybody here listening as well so tasting a drink to dog 10 years uh, on the list uh, it's uh, something uh, very rare and unique yeah I think the aromas really change and um, in our Masetto Privé uh, I, I admire the freshness that you still can find and also it has this apricotty tone which is incredible mm-hmm. and um if some of you yeah, get the chance to taste uh, a Mazetto Privé, please let us know what you think about it. Okay, so uh, I wanted to ask you about the Teroldigo Revolution as well. Mm-hmm. That, uh, it's a, a, a group of uh, wineries uh, participating, right? Yeah, um, it's a, it's a Teroldigo Revolution. It's a group. We are uh, nine producers, nine young producers from the Piana Rotaliana. And we decided, uh, I think now it was four years ago, to unite and to make Terodego great again. This was one of our first slogans. 
Um, but the aim really is to get together, speak about Teroldego, um, go to wine fairs, make degustations. Why not go abroad and talk about this grape variety? Because I think Teroldego started as a, as a wine which you drank, you know, every day at lunch, um, quite a light product. And in the in the last years, people have been seeing the potential of Teroldego. And um, as I said also before, it's a great wine you can keep for, for many years. And uh, that's something really nice that I think we have with this group. We, we're not only colleagues, but we became friends. And that's something that my parents always say that um, it wasn't like this before, you know, it's, it's always hard to to get together, and I think we we really managed that to to create a bond among us, and to have one goal, and to to bring Teraldego to its highest uh, quality, and and to talk about Teraldego whenever we can. So it's a bit of a revolution, but I like to think about it as an evolution also. So it's a bit of this uh, uh, a game, you know, of of words. And we're actually having, yeah, we're organizing right now a great party here on, on a mountain um, in June, you know, to to celebrate also, you know, being back together, being, being outside and where we, we invite, you know, um, all our friends and, and uh, people from the wine world. So, ah, so I'll be waiting for the invitation. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a cool you know barbecue and really something yeah easy yeah, yeah. and actually actually I, I forgot but this weekend so starting from from Saturday we have the uh, Teroldigo days in Trentino so who of you may be um, not too far from here um, you can look for Teroldigo in the Piana Italiana there are many um, master classes we're having one with Teroldigo Venusian on Sunday evening. And you can have a walk uh, among the the wineries in the in the Piana Rotaliana and taste all the Teroldegi from the area. So I think also our region is pushing a lot this variety um, as being you know the most important autochthonous grape from our region. So there's quite of nice uh, things to to attend to. And uh, it's uh, in the winery. Where you'll be uh, receiving people for um, the Teraldigo um, tasting? Also, so um, our winery is always open, and uh, during this weekend we will talk specifically a lot about Teraldigo. Um, but the main events are more central in the Piana Rotaliana, so we will be hosted by another winery, and uh, there will be like an evening um, on Saturday night. There will be like a, a, a tasting area at Palazzo Martini, which is, let's say, the the main point for Teroldego. It's really in Mezzo Corona, so in the heart of the Piana Rotaliana, and people can go there and taste all Teroldeghi. And I think it's a nice occasion. Oh, that's um, very cool. And I, I, I'm sure that you say it's easygoing events, but when Ingridze events is involved, it's always... Uh, very well organized and beautiful events. Uh, I mm-hmm. I know Indritsi uh, uh, it's a uh, very strong uh, in the enotourism. It's a strong skill of the family, and um, I've been to one of your events, the Pergola event last summer with mm-hmm. live music. Uh, yeah. It was uh, absolutely amazing. 
And um, would you like to share with us a bit about uh, the Indrid event and um, maybe how many people you have collaborating for these projects at the weddings that you uh, um, hosting the winery? Yeah, with pleasure. I think that um, the topic of enotourism is very important for wineries. I think it's always a pity um, if a winery, you know, shuts shuts their doors and 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 does everything by themselves, not wanting to show what they do. I think it's a it's a richness we have, and that we we should invite people to see because what we have experienced during the years that if people come to visit you, you will have a spot in their hearts, you know, because. Um, you you will do everything possible to make um, to make a memory for them to create an emotion. So that's something that uh, we started 15 years ago. My parents started with um, hosting weddings, so we have a nice uh, room which is the old botaya. So you can get married among the um, the old barrels. I did the same, so I can only suggest it. <laughs> and. Um, so that's something we do during the summer, every Saturday and uh, some of the Sundays also. Um, here, I have to say, thanks to the, the pandemic, um, we uh, had the time and the, um, the head to rethink a bit our hospitality. So we came out of, a, let's say, a business relationship with uh, partners in our wine shop. And since the weddings were not happening during the pandemic and everything, we had the time, you know, to uh, reevaluate everything. So we decided to um, to change this relationship to go from two people to four people, five in the summer, um, who are now co-workers of Endrizi and are there from 10 to 19 uh, to, to 7 p.m. every day, you know, of the year um, to welcome our guests. So. We really change from, uh, you know, closing during the, the lunchtime and everything to being open all the time. And that also changed um, in our offer. So now we are also offering, you know, taglieri, charcuterie uh, boards, uh, or now we're doing like small plates in combination with the wine. And it, it took us, um, yeah, um, some time to rearrange a bit um, our offer but keeping in mind who we are. And you were talking about the Open Pergola event, which was, yeah, it's one of my favorite events uh, during during summertime. We It was the first event we did, let's say, after the first lockdown. So it was June 2020. And um, we were, you know, um, uh, how do you say, so many people came. It was like 120 uh, registrations. It was, of course, wow. all on registration only. And uh, it was not a social distance, but it was like a natural distance. We decided to put small tables between the vines uh, to create the distance. We gave everybody, you know, the wooden box, the, the, the classical uh, wooden box of uh, six wines. We were put inside, you know, like a, a gourmet picnic and a bottle of wine. And people could go among the vines and, and have a nice day. And then we have, of course the the music and um and, and the atmosphere so yeah so I, special yeah yeah you've been there and I'm, I'm happy you saw it because now that we have the weddings it's a bit more difficult to organize um to conciliate the two things but i hope that this summer we'll have another one but what we do um, now you know every day it's tastings if you go on our website and you find 
different tastings for you know every need um different tours also we we develop the tours you can have a tour you know with our analog which is very specific you can uh, have a walking tour on your own um so we we like to be diverse and to show what our nice region uh, has to offer so uh, we have a, a new space now, which is called Beranda, uh, which hosts smaller groups in the winery. Um, so I think all the enotourism is is very important. And not to forget the Giardino dei Profumi, of course. It's something that um, every visitor who comes to visit uh, keeps in mind because you can really touch and smell the aromas of a grape. Yes, that's uh, that's really fantastic. Uh, it's uh, one of the most... Uh special, well-organized, beautiful events, uh, uh, picnics uh, under the vines that I've ever been in a while. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like just to, um, the last question, since we are also about to, to run out of time, mm -hmm. um, if there is any new projects that you would like to share with us. Yeah. So, um, as we said before, the Trento Doc project is for sure one of our biggest projects right now. And we may or may not be looking at um, new land um, over the Lago di Garda, which is very high. It's around 700 meters and where we would love to plant uh, some more Pinot Nero. So that's a great project we're working on now. We are deciding to grow our winery this year. So we are working on new seller to store Trento Doc because if you imagine our Trento Docs go from two years on the lease to 10 years on the lease, we have to have a stock, like a huge stock and yeah. we need space for that. So we are, we are, let's say, growing uh, in that direction and I think that's a very positive uh, thing if, yeah, if a winery is, you know, growing and looking to the future. Of course, yes. Uh, well, um, I think that was really great. Um, I am so happy that you uh, accepted my uh, invitation to participate to. Thank to you so much. Clubhouse. And um, I will leave it open to see if anybody wants to uh, make a question. Thank you so much for that. Um, I was getting so thirsty while I was just listening and hungry and the barbecue coming up barbecue. I'm getting so excited. I definitely will have to tap you when I go to pass by San Michele d'Adige. Okay, so... Absolutely. Uh, there's now the tunnel, actually. I don't even have to go all the way to um, San Michele. That's why I don't think of you. Because now it's from uh, Trento Nord. You can go directly to uh, Paganella. Ay, 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 ay. Yep. So it's it's great for us, but then we miss out on all the um, yeah. winery tours. Laika, I'm going to bring back on Laika. Hi. Hi, Hi Laika. You want to tell us what's going to happen for next week? Okay, for next week, I am still waiting for confirmation um, for the ambassadors. Um, oh, wait, so... I have something. I have something for that too. Hold on. Wait, I know here. So that's for next week. We're still. I hadn't used that button yet, the suspense button. Um, <laughs> but so, so we're still it's waiting. So, so keep, keep posted, you guys. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm going to close up the room. 
uh, Lisa, and um, I hope to see you very, very soon. How was Venetia for you? It was great. It was great seeing everybody being back among the people, and yeah. we had a great uh, interest from from. It was a quality public, so that was great. Yeah, fantastic. That's and and thanks, thanks to you guys, and you you always uh, taste our wines also. So thanks also for that. <laughs> okay, great, <laughs> Natalia. Thank you very much. See Ciao, you. Natalia. I, I hope to see you soon. Yeah, me too. Thank okay, you. thank you so much. And you guys keep in tune. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali Academy, home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitaliinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Hi, guys. I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.